Hey, Steven, we got to figure out an intro to the podcast. That works. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to another episode of the No Fluff MSP Marketing Podcast. Today, I am super excited to have Will Slappy with me. Will, really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, always always uh, love to, to, to be on a good podcast. Yeah, well, we appreciate you having, appreciate you coming on. One feedback I got from um, some listeners, which I loved, is they said, hey, can we get more MSPs on the podcast? So the last couple months I've been bringing on, you know, owners, salespeople from MSPs that want to share their story and how they did it. So I just, I love that. And they, you know, the conversation is always insightful. So um, I brought Will on just a little background. Somehow we're connected on LinkedIn, which to listeners, I always say like, make sure you connect to people you want to connect with them. Like make sure like everyone in your local territory that has like owner, president or operations director in their title, like you try to connect to them because the reality is that LinkedIn algorithm will, will, will get you in front of them. Especially when you first add somebody like their, your entire feed is that new person that you just added. It's kind of funny how that happens. But anyway, so I was, I was just, you know, on LinkedIn and I've been seeing Will's posts and they're just, they're just authentic. It's just Will being a leader, talking about being a leader and some of the challenges and some of the wins and some of the pains and some of the team stuff, all, all that shared in just a really thoughtful and informative way. It's not clickbaity. It's not lame. It's good stuff. So, Will, you're doing a great job. <laughs> so I was like, man, I got to get this guy on the podcast. I'm, I reached out to him a couple weeks ago, and, and he's been gracious enough to come on. So, Will, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, Glad to be here. So let's dive, let's dive right into the good stuff. So how did you get started uh, in the MSP world? What, what's your backstory? Um, yeah. So uh, uh, my father founded our company back in the eighties, and oh, cool. uh, even before I was born. So I literally grew up inside of the company. Um, now originally it was more on the telecom side of things. I mean, IT really didn't exist in the eighties, um, and so uh, especially anything like an MSP. Mm-hmm. Um, and so literally I, mean, I grew up, you know, doing like uh, working in the warehouse, you know, accounting department, filing the old papers, you know, uh, eventually even went out on customer sites, pulling cable, doing installs, uh, in sales, uh, pretty much every position in the company over, uh, you know, uh, when I was a kid, you know, I worked like summers and, you know, things like that. Um, and actually even through high school and college worked part-time for the company. So um, uh, eventually I never really planned on, uh, like taking over the company or anything along those lines. Um, uh, kind of long story we won't get into, but basically kind of uh, after college, I was trying to kind of make the next leap in terms of where I thought I was going to go with my career and kind of got stalled out on a couple of things. My dad was like, well, here, just come do some projects for me, earn some money. And, you know, whenever you figure it out, like, you know, just close up the projects and, and you know, go, go do what you want to do. So uh, did that. And then five years later, became the COO for the company. Um, and so I just enjoyed doing it, was having fun, um, uh, I share all sorts of things in terms of working with family, but it ended up being a really great experience working with my dad. And, um, and so uh, that's kind of how, how I got started. Um, early 2000s is when we kind of moved into more of the IT space. Uh, it was kind of interesting sort of story because what drove us there was VoIP, right? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was that back in those days, the IT companies uh, didn't really understand like QoS um, or a lot any anything to do with you know time sensitivity. Let's just call it on the network. 
Um, and so like we developed that expertise because we had to, to survive mm-hmm. as a voice company. And so uh, inevitably speaking, like the IT companies couldn't get things figured out or the IT guy couldn't get things figured out for our voice solution to work. And so we said, well, look, let us put in our firewall and yeah. our network gear and we can make it work. And we would, and they, and the customer like, well, obviously you're smarter than they are. So, you know, be my IT company. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of how we end up getting started in it. Um, you know, that was you know, 20 years ago. Um, and then, you know, obviously with the conferences, peer groups, and just been learning from a lot of other people to, you know, develop, um, you know, and, and now MSV is the primary you know, core competency, uh, you know, of the business that uh, our other lines of business kind of support. Man, that's so cool. I love the, you guys excelled in VoIP and then moved in to MSP and it was just such a, a smooth, easy transition. That's so great. I, I mean, didn't say it was smooth and I was easy. About to say, yeah. <laughs> smooth, easy, no challenges or adversity at all. You know, man, that's, that's so cool. And I, I love the story of like the accidental entrepreneur. Like you're like, oh, I'm going to do these other things. And then your, your dad's like, well, why don't you just why don't you just come like do this project for us? You're like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then like, look at you now, which we're going to get into the look at you now thing here in a minute. It's so funny that my story is like very similar to that. So I was going to graduate school for my master's in healthcare administration. I thought I wanted to be a hospital CEO. And then I actually started working in private practice and hated it. I was like, Oh shoot, this sucks. <laughs> And so my father-in-law owns Alltech, the MSP. And he's like, well, why don't you just come in and like post like on our social media or something? And I was like, okay, sure. And like fast forward eight years later, I'm like running the marketing sales account management department. I started a company within Alltech. You know, it's just been this like fun adventure. That's just been awesome. I'm like, man, I'm so glad I fell into this. Like, it's like this accidental. Anybody really like young or early in their career out there, you know, it's like, it's so hard. You know, people try to like design their career and like, what am I, but you know, just get into it, you know? Um, And um, you know, um, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of ways to apply what you're good at and your passions in some unusual ways. Um, It's probably one of the things that I I love most about what, what we, you know, kind of who we are as a company um, and in the industry, because we're not vertically focused. So we, you know, would it help almost any business mm-hmm. um, that's out there? And so one of my favorite things is like when I get a chance to talk to some, you know, those customers and prospects um, and learn about their businesses, they're the most interesting yes. businesses out there. Like there was this one, this was probably like a year or two ago that, uh, that I was talking to kind of become a friend of mine um, that they had this food um, like, I don't even know what to call it, food supply business, but they sell things like liquid smoke. And I'm like, mm. I didn't even know liquid smoke existed. You know, like the guys like telling me all about it. There's all these different types and the pros and cons and all these. It's just, I, you know, it's just, there's, there's, there's all these really deep avenues out there that, you know, you never learn like growing up, you know? Um, and so, um, and, and get into it. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times you'll find your passion by getting into something and diving deep with it, it's not going to always come to you on the front end and be like, yes, I'm passionate about liquid smoke. No, that, that no one ever said that. Right. But obviously you get into an industry like that and then you're like, wow, this is actually really interesting and I enjoy this. So, um, sometimes hard work comes before passion, I guess would be my point. That's spot on. Spot on. Yeah. I totally agree, man. Hearing all the interesting stories from the clients we support, like one guy that we support, it's literally like he just does, he creates the the things that collect the eggs from the chickens and all these large, you know, I'm like your whole job is you build the thing that collects the eggs 
from the chickens and like there's these massive things. That's it. That's all they do. It's so, it's so interesting. So you've had, you know, I think it's reasonable to say pretty extraordinary growth, um, as at your MSP, like we were talking beforehand, how many employees you have, um, what is the name of your MSP? And can you talk about, this can be as long as you want it to be, by the way, it doesn't have to be a short segment. I mean, you share whatever you want to share, but like, can you talk about where you were, how you got to where you are today? You know, how many employees you have, anything you want to share on, on just your, your incredible trajectory? Yeah. Um, so I took over as CEO in, uh, 2019 for my father Oh wow. and, um, kind of started taking over running the company around 2015, you know, but that was kind of the official sort of handoff, if you will. Um, of the reins. And so um, as a part of that, there was a couple of things we wanted to accomplish. Um, and one of those things was kind of letting him take some chips off the table. Um, and so uh, one of the things that I did was brought in some, some outside investors into the company mm-hmm. and uh, allowed him to be able to do that. And also uh, that outside investment group um, helped us begin our path down uh, doing acquisitions. So we've done 18 acquisitions since 2019. Wow. Uh, 2019, we're about um, 35 employees and six and a half um, in revenue. And today we are about 205, 210 employees um, and about 50 million um, in revenue. So Holy shit. grew substantially in the last, you know, um, four, uh, four years. Um, and so that's, you know, uh, that's been the, the predominant growth. You know, we've had some organic growth as well. Um, <clears throat> Although it's it's hard to measure the organic growth because when you do that number of acquisitions and you layer in all of the financials together, there's a lot of things that get masked. That's sort of an interesting problem that I have to deal with because um, you're dealing with financials you didn't put together and you're not necessarily responsible for because you take everyone's trailing financial information, right? And so you want to bridge it together so you can probably adequately try to measure you know, the company. But you're, you're bridging in financials that you know, you weren't necessarily there at the time that that, you know, revenue and cost were incurred. Um, and so it's an interesting challenge to, you know, analyze your financials. Um, and you got companies who are, you know, a lot cash-based accounting versus we're accrual. So all those challenges are trying to mix that together. But, but that's, the, uh, that's, that's the growth path in terms of, you know, how we've gotten, um, you know, to, to, uh, to where we are. Um, and so, you know, and now we're heavy into the integration, you know, phase. So, um, we're, uh, getting very close to getting everybody on the same platform, nice. um, same tool sets, um, you know, uh, rowing in the same directions, same go to market strategies, all those things. So I could spend a long time talking about all of the, you know, acquisition and integration, um, you know, strategies and things that we do. Um, but that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's how we've gotten the growth, uh, and, and to where we are today. Dude, if you don't mind, <laughs> I'm going to bug you about another podcast. Cause I just want to hear that in more depth. Like I want to do 45 minutes just on that. Cause that's so interesting. Cause we're, we're looking at starting to look more into acquisition in the coming years. And so, man, picking your brain on that would be invaluable because I can't even imagine going from 35 people to 200 plus and all of the pain of making sure, okay, everyone's using different PSAs. They're doing different finances. It's different cultures. Like how do we integrate that that quickly in four years? That sounds insane. I mean, yeah. And, I mean, I just yeah, the, the hardest part actually is, um, and you may want to, we may want to take that off to the other podcast, but, but yeah. I think this is probably good for some of the listeners to hear is yeah, it, it's not those external things that, that now the culture piece, you know, which I'm really good at the culture piece. So maybe it's harder than 
I think it is. Uh, that's critically important, and I could talk about that. Um, but really, I think the hardest piece is growth as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hit multiple walls along the way and didn't even realize I hit the wall necessarily. Um, hindsight, I'm like, it! I wish I knew everything I do now. Um, but like, even from like, like anytime you, if you, you've ever studied much about company growth and what that looks like, um, you'll even find that there's like, for example, there's not a lot of companies with like 75 employees, hmm. a lot of companies close to 50 and a lot of companies north of a hundred. Um, hmm. there's not a lot of companies that have like, um, what's another good number, like 17 employees. Hmm. Uh, because a lot of times, like when you're looking at the growth of a company, like you have the founder, right, who starts the company and they can usually grow up to around 10 max, around 15 employees and that they can manage. But they struggle to make that leap from I'm managing everybody to now having another person on their leadership team. Um, and so that's why like, uh, you don't see a lot of companies with like 17 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, because they can't, you know, make that leap. And then if they get that person, if you stay at that smaller size, it also creates a weird like dynamic from a leadership perspective and you got to grow out of it. You really need to get to 20 plus employees. So it's like mm-hmm. this weird no man's land between around 15 and 20 employees that's really hard to be at. And so most of the companies you'll see are closer to 10, you know, or above 20. Um, and so uh, the same thing will happen of like, you know, all of a sudden when you're, you know, um, even like 30, like you kind of see the next cap at around 35. It's like, okay, from getting there to 50 and then from 50 to hundred and then hundred to 200, you start. And, and once you get bigger, it becomes a little bit easier because it becomes more the same sort of thing. Um, you know, but back, back when we started, there was one management layer. It was me, managers, employees, right? You know, mm. maybe one little team leader here or there, you know, versus like now it's like me, I got my executive team, mm. my executive a management team that management team even has managers underneath them you know so there's a lot more layers mm-hmm. um uh i was talking to fred vicola he's the ceo yeah. for uh say uh in in miami i guess it was, was that last week yeah um and one of the things that, that he was talking about that that uh because because they've done tons of acquisitions and growth far mm-hmm. more than we have um and one of the things that he said that, that i thought was really profound is, is is he said it's not too hard to hold people accountable but what's really hard is to hold people accountable for holding people accountable. Mm. And that's probably one of the biggest growths for me from a leadership perspective. You know, when I was holding everybody more or less directly accountable was a lot easier than now. I'm like, I've got to hold other leaders. And then even now holding leaders accountable to hold leaders accountable for holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, So there's, those are the kind of things from a leadership. And usually like for me, I, I probably had an easier shot at it. Because even though I'm entrepreneurial, I'm not a founder. I'm not the founder personality. You know, my, that was my father, right? Pull yourself up from your bootstraps. Zero employees, zero customers, right? So, um, so I didn't go through that phase. And honestly, I don't know if I'd want to. I don't know if I could, because uh, that's not necessarily where my strongest gifting is. Um, and so, a lot of founders though really struggle because they can't make that switch from that you know, founder mentality into that really more professional management, mm-hmm. you know, type of mentality. Um, and I, and realizing that there is that need there, I think is probably one of the biggest things because what they, people think I did this, it was successful. 
all these things I did is what got me to where I am today, right? And so it's very counterintuitive to, to say to yourself, I, not that you need to forget all that because leadership principles still always apply, but realizing I, I really don't have what it takes and I need to relearn mm-hmm. and figure out. And like, this is something that's big on top of my mind is we're looking to continue to grow. I'm like, okay, what do I need to know for that next level? So I've got a lot of mentors. I've got companies that are two, four, 10 size, 100 size, the size of, of us that I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what, what do I need to adjust to get to that next level and to be successful at that next level? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And the fact that people don't realize that even makes it that much of a bigger challenge. Because what you said is what everybody thinks of. How are we going to get everybody on the same PSA? How are we going to get you know, everybody, um, you know, using the same go to market strategy and the cultures and, you know, rebrand, like those are all the tactical things that everybody thinks about. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things actually become incredibly easy when you have a great leadership team, Mm -hmm. the right leadership team. And when you get everybody rowing in the same direction, the team will get all that stuff done and figure out the answers, you know, to those pieces and execute it on it very well. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so, it's kind of the piece that a lot of times getting missed in there and, and where you um, fail or succeed. Yeah. Dang. That's, that's so spot on. And it, it, it really, it mirrors kind of our organization for sure. Like we had this capping of like 2 million or something. And we had like 10 employees, we were there for a while and it was really frustrating as a marketing and sales guy. I'm like, this is so frustrating. Like we got to get past this. And then it was like, we blew up to 4 million. It was yeah. like, all yep. organic too. It was just like, we, we got, we, I think that's when we got the leadership team. We did the traction, the vision traction organizer. Yep. I go. guess it was a little before that, but I think it took a year or so before we finally started digging into what does it, how do we work as leaders, whatever. Then we shot up to 4 million and now we're on the way to five. And it's funny, we went from that 10 employee to 20 employee. It's exactly what we we're talking about. And, um, I never really thought of it that way. And that's super interesting. I'm dude, if you don't mind, I'm definitely getting you back for a deep dive on that. Cause I would love to have that conversation. Like seriously. And even this summary has been gold. So, you know, and it, it also has kind of gone into what's worked well for you. It sounds like mergers and acquisitions for growth has been a, a key factor of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it certainly has, but, but I also will say this cause I, I, I people all the time, cause we've done so many, I, you know, they see, um, I haven't done as many this year. Last year, we did nine in six month period. Um, and so I get people all the time. They want to talk about it. But the first thing I, I tell all of them is you have to have a good go to market strategy. Mm-hmm. You have to have a good sales process, mm-hmm. um, a good sales team, a good sales leader. You have to have all of that developed because when you do an acquisition, you essentially have to resell. Mm-hmm. Every single one of their customers, maybe not every single one, but especially the large ones, you know, 80%, 80, 20 rule, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you're going to lose some of those customers. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have, like, to me is one of the most dangerous strategies would be to go do acquisitions without having sales in a scalable model already. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're principal-led sales, like not a good idea, right? Because now you're going to basically double your job. You know, oh, maybe they've got another principal. Yeah, like hopefully maybe they stay on that works out. And and I've seen some good success stories with that. But um, a lot of times those founders struggle to move out of being the, the, the guy making all the decisions to now being a part of a team. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some that have done it successfully. We've had others who have not been able to do that transition. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, that, that becomes a very dangerous strategy in my mind where all of a sudden you're going into that. Um, and then what's your upside potential, you know? Um, and so it, it, there's a lot of risk associated getting, you know, if you get the sales piece nailed down first, then use the acquisitions to accelerate that process. Cause it's a lot easier to buy customers than it is to go do them all from scratch organically, especially if you're trying to go into a new city because you got mm-hmm. the chicken and the egg problem. Do I hire a salesperson? Well, who am I going to have operationally to be able to support them? Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing a hundred percent fully remote and then you could use your, you know, your remote team, but it gets hard to kind of get going and, mm-hmm. and people don't know you and how many customers, you know, how many, you know, references, you know, all those kinds of things that, you know, um, can become difficult to get started, especially in a, in a new city. And so uh, buying into the market is, you know, can really, accelerate that process significantly. Yeah. Um, so I'm all about acquisitions, but just make sure that you've got the sales supporting, you know, side of it. Um, yeah. uh, they're ready, uh, ready to go first. And like for us, part of our strategy, which I love is because we have multiple lines of business, we're not just an MSP. Yep. We've got voice, we've got cloud, uh, we've got internet, we've got cybersecurity, we've got physical security. So now we can, there's a lot more for us to gain from that customer base because now we can cross sell a lot of other things. So, you know, um, I mean, we have one location that's quadrupled their recurring revenue nice. uh, since we acquired them. Because, um, like, here we go. We got all we got all this plug and play stuff ready yep. for them. They've got the customers. They've got the relationships, and so we can just you know grow significantly uh, in that market. Gold. Do you have a full time marketing manager? <laughs> we do. Yep. Yeah, I always tell people like the common denominator behind MSPs that do marketing well is they have a full time marketing person, even if it's a coordinator hopefully manager, like the ones that actually, like, I'm not saying agencies are bad. That's not what I'm saying. Like I have an episode called stop using, stop outsourcing your marketing. And I think what I'm telling the audience is like, it's not that you need to not outsource any of your marketing. It's the reality of an outsourced marketing agency is not going to be able to effectively implement the campaigns and the strategy you want. Cause they're not going to be able to put enough time into your account. It's just like an MSP. We're not going to put more than two to four hours a week into an account. Unless it's a really big account. So marketing agency. Well, and there's got- an ownership piece there that's yeah. really, really important in terms of like it most companies do well because there's something about them that's unique. Yep. Right. There's a unique, unique flavor, something that makes it stand out from the yep. rest. And so it's really, really hard. Like that needs to be a part of the DNA of the company, right? Mm-hmm. And that needs to be a part of the culture. That needs to be every employee should exude that. When, when you're bringing new employees on, you're teaching them, you know, your way. Uh, mm-hmm. We call them the IT voice pledges. Like that's part nice. of like how we teach people who we are. And so it's really like you can't outsource that. Yeah. Um, I know you're going to get into some questions about like my personal brand um, mm-hmm. that we'll talk about later. But that that like for me, I actually tried to like early on, tried to like kind of outsource and get people to help. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can let somebody log in my account, do all that stuff. But it doesn't work mm-hmm. because it's not me. And nobody, yeah. no offense to any of the marketers out there, nobody wants to read or hear or you know, some little marketers, you know, um, little quip, right? Like they want the real authentic thing, right? Yeah. And so um, now they can help you accelerate. There's all sorts of work that they can do, you know, but like that core messaging has to come. And 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 like, I am very deeply involved with what our marketing team does. Mm-hmm. Um, and like our marketing manager really is executing own the strategies that we're talking about. And she yeah. has her own flavor and she knows the culture. And so she really does a lot of stuff to help with that. But in my mind, that has to have C-level commitment and yep. C-level 
involvement to really be successful. 100 percent. And this is so nice having listeners here from another MSP saying this, because I, I everything you said is exactly what I say. It's so true. It's like you can't outsource your marketing, but you also can't hire a marketing manager and just think they're going to bring in all this money and stuff. It's like you have to be involved with the strategy. You know, what do you find to be the unique selling propositions of your organization? How do you, you know, send it throughout your culture? And then how do you market that as a unique selling proposition? And, and that just, it, it, it cuts through all the noise because most companies, especially most MSPs are just outsourcing their marketing to some company that makes them look all the same. And when you can actually look different, God, it and just- I've never gotten any, any like message from a, somebody on LinkedIn and then got the exact same message from three other people, you know, like yeah. those outsource marketing, they're not recycling the same messages for everybody. Yeah, no way. And so that's kind of going to get us into your, your twist on this and your, you know, you've done great with your personal brand. Is there any tips to help MSPs kind of build and leverage their personal brand? I know you've done well on LinkedIn. I don't know if you've kind of done places or is that their primary focus? Yeah, that, 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 that. that's the only, that's the only area. Um, kind of uh, talking about accidentally getting into things. Um, that was one of those things I accidentally get, got into. Um, I, uh, I guess it was, I guess it was what, probably 20, yeah, it was probably like 2019, 2020, somewhere in there, whenever the, uh, whenever the, the last election was mm-hmm. and I was on other social media platforms and I was just like, just had enough of mm-hmm. that chaotic mess of things going on there. I don't want to say anything else about that, <laughs> you know? Cause that was just like, I was like, this is such a colossal waste, you know, of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's got an opinion and none of us really know what we're talking about. Um, and so I was like, you know, um, so I, I, I got off of all of the classic Facebooks and Instagrams and all those kinds of stuff, you know, um, which looking back on it, I realized, man, that was wasting way too much time on that kind of stuff. That, that's another whole side note of like just media in general, yeah. Netflix, Hulu, you know, uh, YouTube Dude, I- TV down the list like we all waste way way like people when people tell me like when people talk about work-life balance which is is fine and good but i would tell most people start with media life balance first yeah Um, because work work is actually really good for the soul Mm -hmm. like you know when you work hard at something and you achieve something like that is so richly fulfilling Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times the reason why we all think we need more work-life balance is because we waste so much of our life on media. Yep. And it's like, you know, and actually it dawned on me when uh, kind of the, probably the biggest change that I had was it dawned on me. I've got three kids and this was probably when I had only like one or two. Um, but I was like sitting in bed at like 9 PM, maybe it was eight 30 or something like that, watching something on Netflix. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, man, I wish I had more time with my kids. Hmm. And I think I'd gotten off work at like six, six 30 that day, you know, putting the kids down at like seven 30. And it's just like, coming home, trying to do dinner, get everybody ready. And then like, now they're down, you know, and then like, you know, now I'm like sitting there like, and I was like, you know what? And don't, the, the light bulb went off my head. I was like, well, you have the time. You just don't have the time at the right time. Mm. And so I made a significant change to my schedule. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get done at five as close as I possibly can. You know, I'm not going to hang up on a customer or something stupid like that. Right. I'm like, really make that a goal, like five max, five thirty, be done. Yep. Make the family time. And then I'm going to recycle later at night Netflix time. And that's what I'm going to use to catch back up on work. Yep. And so like a lot of times I'll be done at five, 
we have our family time, get to engage with the kids. And then I'll hop back on at, you know, eight o'clock uh, when the kids are down for bed. And then I'll, I'll finish that last hour, hour and a half, two hours that I was doing before and actually it turned to be more productive for me. Yeah, no get away and all of a sudden yeah. come back, you know, end up being, end up being really good. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the time. It may just, so, so figure out what, may, and that's just my case. I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. Right. But whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish, like mm-hmm. cut media out first. Um, whereas some people like, yeah, they're like work less and then they're like wasting their way, their life purposely, on like just stupid things, you know? Yeah. So it's like make time for relationships, make time for family, you know, but also yeah. work as good and, 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 uh, and enjoy that too. Um, so I deleted Reddit on my phone and I've been reading, I'm going, I'm flying through books now. I'm like, well, yeah. Cause every night I would just sit on the stupid phone and go through Reddit. I always thought I'm like, well, I follow marketing and MSP. So I'm learning this bullshit. No, I deleted it. I yeah. learned way more from actually reading these books. And, and, and then, here's, here's like, I've come up with this, like this rule for me. If, if, if you don't want to get off of it and it's like that doom scrolling sort of thing, like, Oh, I just want to watch one more video. I just want to like, then it's bad. Yeah. If it, if it feels like it's kind of hard and like, you know, like you're almost forcing yourself to do it, it's probably good, you know, yes. like that, but that's what like LinkedIn is like LinkedIn. I've never doom scrolled on LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. Because it's not full of clickbait and you're not like, it's, it's real content. You know, people yes. are like, Hey, here's three ways to grow in leadership. And like you read the first one and you're like, you feel exhausted. Like, Oh my yeah. gosh, I don't know if I can do that one. Right. Yeah. You know? So, and it's real authentic connections. I'm not saying there's not some, you know, people out there on LinkedIn, but by and large, like LinkedIn is a professional network. It feels far more like going to a conference than it does, you know, some frat party. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, anyway, so getting back to the question. So political stuff is like, okay, I'm getting off of that. But then there was kind of like this desire, like, yeah, I love it connecting with people, you know, um, and I love to, um, you know, be able to, you know, exchange ideas and like see what people like there's, there's like that, that learning kind of crave, you know, that we all have. Um, and so I had already, I mean, I'd been on LinkedIn, I don't know, for like 10 years or something like that. You know, we all like got a LinkedIn account yeah. at some point, right? You know, signed up or, or probably somebody send you some invite, right? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, let me go check this out. And then you end up with an account, you know, um, but it never really posted or engaged much. So, uh, you know, somehow, so, somehow just started kind of getting into it. And so I kind of took some of that time I was with other media and kind of ended up into, uh, into LinkedIn. Um, and I actually, one of the things that I, I, I've done this past year, because I'm trying to create more and more content, um, and some other creators had kind of uh, made the suggestion. There's a way on LinkedIn, you can actually export all your content, which is fantastic, just drops it into like a CSV or Excel file. Um, and so I've gone back through like all my old posts and trying to find like, you know, because it's not like I can reinvent stuff like every single day, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're constantly reusing and saying, saying oh, you know, yeah. a lot of the same messages. So I was like, well, hey, I'll go look at my old posts and I can recycle some of those, maybe reword it or even just, you know, a lot, I have a lot more followers now than I did three years ago, right? So like, hey, let's go grab some of the content. Yeah. So I'm getting back to your question. Um, so the first like year worth of my content, I couldn't find a single post. <laughs> It was like 200 posts. I was like, I was like 200 posts in before I found the first post that I was like, Oh, Hey, this is good. I would, <laughs> I would feel comfortable posting this now. Um, and so I, my whole point of that is just simply to say like, you know, it takes a while to kind of find what you want your voice to be. And mm-hmm. even saying something that like 
you know, you're proud of. Um, so, you know, for me, it was just like doing it um, and experimenting with it. <clears throat> so early on, I tried some of those, let me outsource and get somebody to help mm. me. And, you know, um, there's all sorts of vendors out there that will kind of provide you like that pre, you know, scripted stuff. And you just got to copy and paste it in there and stuff, you know, but none of that gets an engagement, right? It, it mm. like, it, it doesn't smell right. It doesn't feel right. Right. It just looks like, you know, um, early on I was like, Oh, I would read something really profound or something be like, Oh, let me repost this, you know, like that didn't work either. Right. Cause it's mm. like, it's not you, that's not your content. It's just something that you found interesting, you know, and maybe a few people also find it interesting, but, um, it doesn't really create engagement, you know, with you, uh, it doesn't build your brand, you know, um, at all. So those were some of the kind of the early sort of stages. Um, so ultimately, you know, for, for me, I think that the thing that I would tell people is it's going to take you a long time. I mean, unless you're just better than all the other creators that I've talked to, um, to really hone in on your voice and get to that point where you, um, are, are interesting to other people and that mm -hmm. you, you basically get good enough. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and you'll see a lot of my posts. I'll talk about like, Hey, we all suck the first time. Everybody fails the first time. Get over it. Just start and keep working on it. Um, you know, with three kids, I see this like in front of me all the time. You know, my seven-year-old son is like doing tennis. And the wonderful thing is that he loves it and he thinks he's good. But me and my wife are like, oh my gosh, he, <laughs> the ball's coming at him and he's like, you know, swinging and it's hitting him, you know? <laughs> um, and um you know, but like we're, we all start off that way. Right. Yeah. Um, and so like, so, so, so here's my main point I'm getting to. You have to enjoy it enough. And what you're writing about to get through how long it's going to take you to get good. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so like early on, I was like trying to even look at other creators and be like, Oh, this seems to work for them. Let me do that but I didn't enjoy necessarily writing about some of those things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm not, you know, two, I'm not going to write 200 times about like, there's gotta be. So I ultimately got to the place of writing stuff that I was passionate about and that I cared about. And mm -hmm. that spoke to me, you know, um, and even a lot of my writing today ultimately is like, I read somebody else's post and I'm like, I'm inspired by it. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to copy and paste what they wrote. Right. But I can mm -hmm. take the underlying message that yeah. they have and then I can write it in my own voice i can share my own story that exhibits that point right and i'm and, and they didn't like make it up either right somebody told them like we're all mm. learning from everybody you know yeah i'm a collective of all of my mentors and friends and peers you know over you know uh my life that have ported to me and now i'm you know bringing it out my unique in my own unique sort of way so yeah. you've got to ultimately like really find and 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 for some people, you may say, I don't like writing, I don't like posting, and so like if you don't even enjoy that, I'm not I'm not sure what to tell you. But if you have some sense of like, you know, I like sharing, I like to like to think and tell other people what I'm thinking, and um, you know, begin down that path of you know that thought leadership, you know, uh, word everybody likes to throw around. Mm -hmm. You've got to enjoy what you're writing about um, for that to be able to, at least in my mind, for that to be able to you know ever really take off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's kind of this thing on LinkedIn, like you know. People, what do people call it? You know, um, niching down or whatever. You know, it's like you got to find your niche and like stay focused on that. And that certainly is a great strategy. It's the same as the MSP world, right? Yeah. I know some yeah. MSPs that focus on one industry and they do extremely well and they're just super narrow. That is a great strategy. Yeah. I also know some MSPs like us who 
don't necessarily have a particular niche that they solely focus on and do really well as also. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of tried to niche for a while and I was like, you know what? That's like, that's not me. That's not like what I enjoy doing. And so now I'm enjoy doing all that. I, I talk about my kids a lot. I love my kids. I love talking mm-hmm. about them. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I look at parenting and managing, like, I mean, it's mm-hmm. all leadership, right? Yeah. And so I'll, I will use the lessons like leadership is the same regardless of, who you're leading and what age group they're in or demographic or anything else like that. Right. So I'll use a lot of that kind of stuff because it's fun. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's entertaining for people. Um, also, you know, the other thing I would say is that people learn through stories mm-hmm. a lot of times. And so I love to zero in on stories because that is captivating and people, um, you know, people learn, uh, learn from that. Um, I do try to parse the stories down because most people, when they tell stories, give way too many details mm-hmm. and people get lost. Um, uh, and then, you know, uh, the last thing I'd probably say on this is follow other people that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And like, like if you find that you're enjoying what they're writing, like try to figure out why um, and what do they do different and how are they posting, um, you know, how are they posting that stuff, um, you know, differently. What, what's what's kind of uh, I, I saw somebody post the other day. They said, you know, most of the, you know, the, the big people with a lot of followers and stuff on LinkedIn, they, there's a there's a there's kind of a mechanism that they have. Like it's, 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 it's a little formulaic, like all their posts are have a similar sort of cadence, if you will, to them. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the people I love uh, to follow uh, Eva Rose Daniel. Um, she talks about like public speaking and how to do and how to tell good stories. So a lot, she always got a lot of good suggestions. But one of the things she talks about is like, never start a story at the beginning. Um, so that's one thing like I learned from her, like never start a story at the beginning um, because that's, usually pretty boring and, and doesn't engage people. You know, you start at the, like the cliffhanger or mm. uh, the weird part of the story, you know, in the middle, like I did one the other day, which really didn't take off that well. So maybe this is a bad example, but <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, how did I start something like, um, I own an ozone machine, you know, you'd be like, like people are like, what the heck is an ozone machine? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's like, but diving in at that point, cause it's like, okay, that's an interesting sort of thing. Like I could have started the story at the beginning about why I owned an ozone machine, mm-hmm. right? Um, but people probably lose interest before even get to like the point, yeah. you know, the, the most enticing part of it, if you will. So there's all sorts of things like that. that like I'm learning from other people and then trying to just incorporate them, um, uh, incorporate those things, you know, into my own, you know, uh, way of doing things. Yeah, man, that's gold. Because actually the next question was like your content process, but I feel like you just nailed it. Like follow the people that you like also like their content you know, look back at other content and recycle it. We do that all the time. Like I do that all the time. We use Publer and like literally there's a recycle button. It's like, hey, did you know that 120 days ago, this post got a lot of engagement? Do you want to recycle it and use a different caption that we suggest and suggest for me? I'm like, sure, click. You know, it's easy peasy. But um, yeah, yeah. so you got a lot of really good points there on content process, tell the story in the middle of the... So it's like, yeah. I was I was wondering like, that was actually the other question is like, is it a practice skill? And of course it is. Like the question I put on there was almost like as a, as a just obvious thing is no one's good at anything. Everyone thinks they suck at marketing. Everyone's like, oh, I suck at marketing. It's like everyone sucks at marketing. Like for 13 months, I said all the time on the podcast, I got no results from marketing for over a year. Like I thought I sucked. I was like, I'm surprised I'm not fired. And then it's like, oh wait, shit, I got better. I got better and better. And like now we're getting lots of clients. So it's, it's, it just takes time and effort. And it's like yep. you said, you have to enjoy it. You have to put, you have to feel a little bit of pain as you work through it. Cause that means you're getting better. Like that uncomfortable, I suck feeling. That's a good feeling. Lean into it. Like I'm yeah. practicing jujitsu. I'm coming up on my, 
like ninth month practicing it. And it was like, it's such a grind. Everyone's better than you. You're constantly getting your ass kicked. Like, I'm like, this is so hard. But like nine months in now, I'm like, all right, now I'm the one kicking some butts. Like, this is okay. You know, like yeah. it took a lot of pain, a lot of literally getting choked. You know, you got to go through that pain to get to the point where you're like, okay, like I'm good at this now. So that's cool yeah. that, that you've kind of reiterated and, and that it's a Yeah, practice. and the, the one other thing that I would I would add in there, and this is just for me personally, so maybe this helps somebody, is that my epiphany, like idea moments for most of my posts are not when I actually write the posts. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I might be uh, a lot, probably 50% of my posts actually come to me while I'm on my bicycle. Um, I love to cycle. And so when I'm doing that, my brain, like I say, it's one of the most productive things I do for the company because my Mm -hmm. brain just like goes in this deep processing mode. I'm just like Mm -hmm. processing through all these different problems. Um, a lot of like my posts ultimately come out of like, okay, I'm processing and solving a problem in the business Mm -hmm. or you know, as a parent or as a friend. Um, And then I kind of have like, after doing it long enough, I have this little like tickler in the back of my brain. It's like, Oh, Hey, that'd be great to share on LinkedIn. Like, Hey, that that's a, that's a good solution. Oh, that's a good story. You know? And so then, and then what I'll like, you know, I'll be like, Hey Siri, you know, um, and make a note, da, 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 da. And then, you know, um, cause obviously I can't text from cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then like, I just keep those notes. And then at other times is when I'll actually um, write it out. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because usually when I'm in like the actual writing execution mode, my brain is actually not even that creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like my create, my creative time is actually physically separate yep. from, um, I could be, I mean, I'll be going to walk, I'll be driving down the road. I'll be in the shower. Like uh, there's been a few times where I've like just about to go to sleep and, you know, can't go to sleep and my brain's thinking and it's like, Oh, okay. Pick up my phone real quick. You know, try not to wake up my wife and, jot down that note. And then the next day or a week or even two weeks later, I'll actually write, uh, write that post. Totally agree with that. I'm the same exact way. I'm usually like in the gym or something and I'll write down. That's where the best ideas come from. I just bought a overly expensive outdoor, like barrel sauna. Cause one, I'm just really worried about cardio stuff. Another reason I started jujitsu, like my dad, my dad died at 43 of a, of a heart attack and I'm like 31 now. So I'm like, all right, I got it. Like I eat good. I do jujitsu. Like I do all this stuff. I'm like, I heard saunas can lower your like, issues with heart by like 63% or something. I'm like, okay, there might be some conflicting data in there. Like sure. People in sauna might also live healthier lifestyles. And apparently they confound for those studies, but blah, blah, blah. Long story short is I bought it and I'm super excited because it's going to be 20 minutes where you can't bring your phone in. I can't bring my phone. It's too hot. So I'm just going to write, I'm just going to bring that thing in there and just write content ideas. And like, that's going to be, you know, part adding into my content process. Cause I agree. You have to have content time. Like you have to have time to think about content. It's so hard to sit in front of a computer and be like, I need to think of content today. Right. Like, and I think that's where a lot of people ultimately, like, I yeah. think I was doing that early. was like, okay, I gotta have a post for today, yeah. you know? Um, and, yeah. and then it's just like, you feel like under the gun. And then that's when it becomes like, not as fun. Versus like when I'm like on a bike ride, like I'll have an idea and I'll even process through the whole idea. Like I'll like start to write in my mind, even like what yeah. the post is going to be. And then I can usually just like have one little note from that. And then when I see the note, the whole thing will come yeah. back to me. It'll draw my memory and all of that I thought about before, you know, will come back. But yeah, if you just sit down like, okay, I'm going to write a post. Like maybe it works for somebody. Great. But I'm like, I, that's never worked for me. And then that's where I'm like, this is not fun. I'm not enjoying this. Yeah. So I've like, right now on my list, I've got like 25 items on my little running list. And so I'll just, you know, when write a post, just grab from one of those. Yep. And, you know, um, already got kickstarted. And there you go. 
Dude, it's so funny. So funny. Like that, it, that's seventy percent of my job now. Of MSP camps, literally a content company. That's all it is. It provides content, and I'm like, I want to provide more content to members, but I'm like, no. If I sit here and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to put as much content as I can, it's all going to come out as crap. It's going to be stuff I don't believe in. So we are like pretty slow to release content. Like I'm pretty slow to release content because I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want to. I don't want to be the quantity company. I want to be the quality. There's not going to be as much posts as these other services. That's fine because every one of them is going to be something I'm like proud to post, you know? Yeah. And I am starting to up my quantity, but it was what I talked about earlier where I'm stealing older posts. So, you know, once I got to the kind of that safe from lot now, like, okay, I'm starting to, you know, get into some of my better posts from like a year or two years ago. Mm. And so that, that can help a little bit with the quantity. So I'm like, okay, I'm recycling a piece of authentic, good content from a year ago. Um, Maybe maybe upping it a little bit. Um, And then, so kind of have two different tracks. I'm like, okay, like almost every day I'm recycling an older post and then almost every day I'm having a new one. So I'm getting a higher level of quantity by exercising both mechanisms. Yeah. Without sacrificing quality. Oh, and the other thing I schedule posts. Yeah. I like 90% of my posts are scheduled. Yes. And for whatever reason I found, I've got a lot of followers who are up early and so I will schedule mine at 6 a.m. Mm. Central. Like I'm usually not up at 6 a.m. Central, but a lot of my followers are. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them are Eastern time too. So that's like 7 a.m. Eastern. Um, and so I like schedule a ton of them, um, you know, for, for that time. Gold. Anyone listening? Almost everything does social media scheduling nowadays. Like your CRM probably does it. We use Publer. It's like, I don't know, 10 bucks a month or something. Like there's so many ways to schedule. I think you can, can you even schedule on, on the platform LinkedIn itself? Oh, I don't use any outside. You third just do party. it on LinkedIn. Okay, cool. So I just do it, do it right on the, the, usually on the app. Nice. And there's, um, I, the one thing I don't know quite why, but sometimes it won't always be there. And if you just like cancel, like sometimes I have to try like two or three times. I think it's still in beta. Maybe that's why, but mm. there's a little like uh clock, right? A little circle with the little L thing in it and you mm. just click on it. And then, um, you know, you can, pick tomorrow, you know, next week, whatever. Um, if I'm really feeling like over the top, you know, um, so I've scheduled as far as like a week's worth of posts out, yeah. um, you know, and, um, and do it that way. The only bad thing is it doesn't let you edit it. And I don't really know why. Oh, that's weird. So once you like hit schedule, like you can't, you can't edit it. So if you want to edit it, you really, you literally have to delete. redo. Yeah. Or I usually redo and then, you know, delete after I've redone. That definitely um, sounds like a beta thing. And hopefully they'll update. Yeah, that. <laughs> I'm sure that they'll fix that at some point. Because yeah. once you post it, then you can edit it, which yeah. I don't do because I've been told that like the algorithm doesn't look favorably on uh, a post that you just posted that now you just edited. I can um, see that. So I've even done that where I've posted something live and I'm like kind of reading. I'm like, oh crap! I'll just repost it, especially if no one is even engaged with it yet, and then I'll delete the original one. So All I don't right. know. Hey. A little sweet tip there. And I may be just doing extra work and it has no impact whatsoever, <laughs> but you know. The algorithm gods, we must pay attention to them. Um, well, I, I have, I, I know I've probably, probably already taken too much of your time, but I do want to kind of wrap up with like kind of uh, just an ending thing here. I just did a, I just did a, uh, well, one, it basically is going to be around results, right? What is the purpose of all this? I have my own purpose for doing this, but I just did an episode called, you know, building your word of mouth. And there's two types of referrals. The reality of referrals, there's basically two types. One is the client referrals. Client referrals can't, can rarely, I mean, sometimes it's from marketing, but usually if you're getting a referral from a client, you can't really say it's from marketing much. But then there's the other type of referral, 
the referral from friends, family, and partners. And those are almost always due to marketing. And, and the reason I say that is it's because there's a lot of my friends and family and, and Tom's friends and family, people that wanted to refer him for years, didn't know how to. They didn't know how to refer him, right? And that's why I think back on BNI when I was in it, like everyone had to show up every week and be really specific about what they do and how to get referrals. Why do they do that? We're all in the same room. We're incentivized to refer each other, but we don't know how to unless you educate. And that's always been my value. On and general. we're lazy. And we're lazy, yes. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, and so it's like, that's what LinkedIn for me has always been is it's, it's, I've gotten so many more of those word of mouth referrals because people see me, they see the content, they see the videos that I'm reminding them staying top of mind. And then we also get a lot of leads, just somebody that sees my posts and reaches out, um, right. but not as much yeah, as that. Yeah, there's a weird just, thing where you like connecting the dots for humans yes. is sort of like, yeah. I mean, this happened to me like two nights ago where um, I, I don't even know where, where I saw this, but I saw a picture of a pizza and I was like, I was not thinking about pizza at all yeah. that day. But then at this point, my brain was reminded. And I was like, I want a pizza, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, people, um, I mean, it's weird too, because like, so some of our customers are those historical voice customers mm -hmm. that, that have been with us for a really long time. And even, even now people be like, oh yeah, they forget we do IT. And I'm like, we, we rebranded the company to IT voice like how can you miss it but they still miss it you know yeah. um and uh and we've had customers who are it customers who like got voice service and somebody else and i'm like why don't you call us they're like oh yeah we should have and i was like even your own customers sometimes like forget what you do even if you put it in the name of your company yeah um, <laughs> that's probably the reason why we named the company that because like we had it was like won't yeah. come customers like know what we do we do it and we do voice genius um, it and voice sir so, so is that why, is that your results? Is that how you're seeing results with, with doing well, that? Well, I was getting back to your point though, which oh. is like, you've got to keep in front of people. Yes. You've got to keep reminding them. And yes. even though in the back of their mind, they may know, like you've got to keep, you know, um, and part of like our overall, like marketing, which to be honest, we're not like fantastic on the marketing side. I would say we're really, really good with sales. Um, mm. And so a lot of our strategy is marketing supports sales. And mm -hmm. so- No, 100%. Um, when it comes to making a sale happen, you know, there's basically, I've always looked at basically two things that really trigger it. You've, I, I mean, you could say three, right? You've actually have to have a product that fixes a problem and all those things, right? Like that's kind of a, a given. Mm -hmm. So but assuming that you've got all that, it's trust and it's timing. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our strategy is like, we do like a lot of cold calling and networking and all those things that our sales, sales team does. Um, and so they will build trust with a prospect, but it's not the right timing, right? Yep. And so a big part for us of marketing is staying in front right. of that customer and those touches and that awareness. And then now they've already got the trust. And so then, and it was an interesting statistic I saw probably about a year ago. When somebody enters into the sales phase, it's like 75% of the time they're going to do business with somebody that they knew prior to entering mm. that final like sales decision i'm going to pick a product yep phase. very rarely is it like when they enter that phase that now they're going to go out and and, and i mean it sure it happens one out every four time right mm. but if you already know them like you got a much higher you know advantage you know over people um but you've got to be in the game and yep. for whatever reason people you know don't sit back and be like let me think of everybody i know that could possibly do this and so if you're not staying in front of people yep. you know yep. 
you could miss the timing. And we've missed the timing many times with even customers who love us and have got great relationships, but they just, for whatever reason, you know, didn't think of, think about us. And probably somebody else happened to ping them with a marketing message, yeah. you know, or they got, you know, not ping them necessarily, but, you know, got hit by it at yeah. that time yeah. that they were looking it open to that. And then, boom, they got it and you didn't. Dude, I'm so like, you're speaking my language and this, I mean, obviously like I've, I've done a lot of marketing sales. Like I, I know what I'm talking about, but it's also nice to hear someone like you say the things that I, I know and feel. And, and that's the reality of it. Like everybody wants a silver bullet to marketing. Like everyone wants, what is this, this perfect system I put in place and it equals X number of MRR every time I do it. It's like, that's not real. Like that's not the reality of it. Yes. You can, you can get it pretty damn close. But the reality is that MRR you're going for every quarter, it's going to be coming from people that you engaged with a couple quarters ago or a couple of years ago. It's not going to be, yeah. okay, all the leads I got this quarter are going to equal this MRR. It's like, no, no, you got to keep consistent. You got to keep getting those leads. You got to keep staying in front of those leads. And you will get that MRR goal you're looking for every quarter, but it's not yeah. going to come from that boom, that that campaign, these activities. That Those are helping to fill that word of mouth and it's filling your top of the funnel and filling that who knows me and who cares about me and who trusts me to close deals down the road. I mean, so much of that, I did another episode on what happens when a prospect ghosts you. I don't even care because the reality is they reached out to me. They know me. They got a proposal from me. I'm going to stay in front of them and they're probably going to close. They're going to close. Like it might not be this year. It might not be next year, but a couple of years from now when they got fed up with their IT provider, they remembered me and I've stayed in front of them every single month with tech tips and webinar invites and direct mail. And they're connected to me on social media. They're, they're going to like the no brainer to reach out to next, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and you know, and, and since, since one of the things I love to talk about is like leadership and culture, that's a lot of what my posts are about. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that I will angle on this is that, um, what we're talking about here is the same in every aspect of life. Mm-hmm. Um, like leadership, like you've got to tell your people that they did a great job mm-hmm. and you got to engage with them and you got to remind them what you got to remind them what you're doing and why you're doing it yeah. and why what we do matters. Like that is a, that's a part, like, like the, the marketing, like this message, I mean, ultimately in a lot of ways, like this is really just leadership, right? And marketing just happens to be that subset of leadership where you're leading customers to your business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same leadership principles and you know, your employees. Like we do all sorts of things in terms of like, I mean, I do anniversary cards, I do birthday cards. We have an all hands call every single Friday and we recognize people and we talk about our vision and where we're headed and what's going on. Like you've like, for, as, a, as a leader, you have to have a messaging strategy mm-hmm. and to be constantly putting that, like everybody knows like, you know, our core values and those kinds of things, but I can't just be like, oh, well, they know it. Okay. Like they got yeah. it. No, like you're going to be pounding that drum every single day in yep. your company. And the same goes as a parent. Like your kids need to know every single day that you love them and that you're proud of them, you yeah. know, and you're there with them when, when they fail. And, you know, I actually teach my kids, I love it when they fail, right? Because it means they yep. tried something new, like, yeah. and they're getting out there and they're building that confidence. And so that messaging is key, key mm-hmm. you know, if you're married, you know, or um, have a significant other, you know, that, it's a key component. You've got to be building into um, those relationships. That's yep. messaging is a part of any good leadership um, that you have. And so, you know, um, yeah. it, it's, you, can, you can either let it happen haphazardly. Uh, or you can be intentional. Um, yep. And actually, you were kind of getting even some of the why. So a lot of the stuff that I do with LinkedIn is actually less about new customers. Mm-hmm. And it's actually far more about employees 
recruiting and acquisitions. Nice. Uh, because one of the things that I, I found was like whenever we do an acquisition, the first thing that happens is those new employees, like yes. who is IT voice, who is Will? And yeah. so I want them to have a lot of content. And, and it's been so great because I've got all such good content out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, by the time I get on site um, and meeting them, like they already know me. And yeah. they already me, and they've already like they've 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 seen enough, right? Yep. You know, um, and there's always those people that are like, okay, they want to you know touch you and make sure you're real, and they're you're still you know bluegrass, you know, uh, waiting waiting to see how it pans out and all those kinds of things. But yeah. it's a significant help to that. Um, I bet. And a lot of employees that we have on board who pinged me it was like, I want to be a part of your team. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I like what y'all are doing over there, and so you know that's part of my strategy and the why and stuff that's going on. You know, part cool. of that. It's all it's all leadership uh, underpinning. Dude, that's that's amazing. I'm hiring for an account manager right now for Alltech, and this podcast is helping me recruit. There's been multiple people that are account manager, marketing, salespeople that work for other MSPs that listen to this podcast, and they're like, "Wait, you're hiring? I want to join your team." So it's literally gotten me a better talent pool, you know. And it, I mean, it's also got me an ROI for MSP clients, but it's it's helping in so many facets of just making everything a little bit easier. Like yeah. when you do need to hire somebody acquisitions. Oh my God, I can see that being perfect for that. Like, so that's what, that's what you kind of, that that's your intention around this. And that's your ROI. Is I mean, gaining customers and stuff. I mean, that, that, that does happen as well, you mm-hmm. know, but the biggest part for me has been more of the leadership side, mm-hmm. you know, of it. And there's another part too, where, you know, um, I don't, I, you know, sometimes my wife's like, why do you spend so much time doing this and all those kinds of things, you know? And I'm like, there's a part of me that I really just don't know, right? Mm. I just look at it and I'm just like, you know what? This is good to have. Mm-hmm. Like the, I'm building followers, I'm building influence. Like whoever got like later in their career, I'm like, you know what? I had way, way too much influence and that really slowed me down, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so I'm like, you know, I don't know all of what I'm going to do with it. But, mm-hmm. but, and then this case, it goes back to what I was saying before. Like I enjoy it. I yeah. love pontificating. I love sharing my ideas. I love teaching other people. Like I love just helping other people engage a lot like this outside yeah. of just posts yeah. and like, I'm, you know, meet people at conferences that I met on LinkedIn and it's like, you, you know, sit down and, you know, you get to know them and you exchange ideas and, you know, so LinkedIn is kind of, to me, like a conference, uh, yeah. you know, this kind of really broad peer group of ways. It's not, you can't get as like, you know, can't share your deepest, darkest secrets on the LinkedIn post, you know, um, like you can, um, you know, in a, in a peer group, uh, yeah. true peer group, but, um, you know, there's some of that where I'm like, I, you know, I don't know all of where it's going to go. Um, but you know, I'm like, Hey, you're building a relationship with people and you're gaining influence. And at some point, and it already has helped me in ways I didn't think about. It wasn't like day one. I, like when I started day one, I wasn't like, I'm doing this for new acquisitions. You know, that wasn't like some grand plan strategy I had. I did it because I enjoyed it. And I was kind of yeah. needing the avenue that we talked about. And then as I got into it, I was like, oh, this actually helps a lot with that. Yeah. Um, after I heard a couple of new employees that kind of made some comments about some different things, I was like, oh, wow. Like this yeah. really, this really, you know, helps with that. Um, and then I was like, and then that kind of helped me like clarify and like, oh, okay. Like now that's a part of the intention. And I think about that yeah. when I'm doing, you know, different posts and things like that. That's, yeah. um, you know, cause it's, and you know, when we used to have like 35, 40 employees and we were all in one office, I used to be able to engage with people on a daily basis mm-hmm. and see them in the parking lot and all those kinds of things. And so and not all of our employees are on LinkedIn, but um, it's, it's harder for me to do that. So LinkedIn is also waving just existing employees. It's just like, it's a way for them to kind of, 
see me and my life and what I'm yeah. doing and build some of that relationship that way. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's literally like outside of the company. Right. So it's like, it's the same as like, you know, in the parking lot or, you know, yeah. you run into them, you know, at a restaurant or something like that. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's literally like they're seeing you out of the you know, normal sort of context of boss employee or whatever, you know, that can kind of sometimes have some awkwardness for certain people, you know, um, yeah. that, uh, that, that that's really great. So, um, and it goes into like how malleable marketing is like everyone thinks marketing, they think, okay, I need to go out and get new customers. But the reality is when you get good at marketing, you get good at communication. Like you were saying earlier, it's like you're marketing to new clients. Yes. You're also marketing to your people. You're also marketing to your current clients. And I'm not just talking about LinkedIn. I'm talking about in general, when you're marketing well, when you're doing these webinars, when you're doing these events, when you have a good email sequence that these people are in, like when you do marketing, well, everybody's more engaged. Like, it's just the reality of it. Like it, and what you're saying fits that so well, like marketing has so many positive orientation of how you're thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. So if your goal is solely to gain new customers, everybody smells that. Right. Yeah. I'm just trying to get you as a lead, as a prospect. Hey, I do this. What do you want to buy? Kind of thing like that. Like that's everybody's like, Whoa, Whoa. Like we all get those cold calls or those people, you know, I guess people don't really knock on the door anymore, but like y'all get those things. You're like, you know, they're trying to sell you. versus, and you see this the same in leadership as well as in sales, when somebody is just trying to add value and they're like, hey, let me educate, let me share, let me teach you, let me share with you. And then you become that expert in their mind. And then when they have that need, it's like, oh yeah, let me, you know, let me ping, let me, let me talk to him because he knows, obviously he knows that, right? Um, And so, you know, when, when you're trying to add value to people, inevitably it comes back to value to you. When you're trying to extract value from people, then that, you know, doesn't work. Yep. Totally agree. And sorry, I, I really got to let you go, but you're just making so many good points. It's like the, uh, I always say on like social media, like when you look at any MSP social media, you know, when it's outsourced because every single post is about selling 100% of the post has a, has a call to action. Like well, this is what, these are the services we do call today to help with da, 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 da. It's like, nobody's going to follow that post or follow that page and be engaged. Like, but that's right. what happens every single time. Like, when someone's working an agency and the reality is the agency is getting pressure. We need more leads and they go, okay, so everything needs to just be conversion focused has to be, we need to get a lead. And ironically it does the opposite. It does the opposite. It makes people go away. Whereas like the content we create, sometimes it's just silly as hell. Like, it's just like, Hey, remember the old, uh, barrels, um, screensaver from 95 or whatever. Like people love nostalgia. So we'll just post that. There's no call to action. There's no call us to get a screensaver. It's just like, Remember this? Like that's the kind of content that's worked so well for us because it's like there's no ulterior motive. We're just engaging with our people. Um, yeah, and, and it goes back to what I was saying. It's like building that trust too. Like yeah. in marketing, you're yeah. building that trust with people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I remember it too." And then now, like you know, we have something in common. Oh, yes. those kids ears, they don't remember that. You know, yeah. you get a little <laughs> so, bit of that in there. You know. Um, but then you got to have some posts that, you know, obviously engages with the Gen Zers as well, you know. Yes, um, yeah. But, but yeah, it's just like building that trust and, and, um, and, and trust is built by commonality, right? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, we're, um, you know, we find the same things funny. So yes. yeah, all yeah. those things. Um, I do like, you know, every now and then I'll trickle in a post, like probably one out of every 50 or something like that, that I'll have something like, hey, yeah, if you need some help, let me know, oh, right? For sure. You do want to have some calls to action from time to time. I, but I think we do about like one is call to action, then you know, yeah. it's just like, I mean, who like do you want to follow that? You know, yeah. like every yeah. like, you know, there's actually a lot of there's actually a lot of research 
on like what percentage should have called action where it doesn't like get people away from it. And so we do about 10 to 20% are like, have some all like have some like call to action, like, you know, you know, reach out if you're having this internet problem, et cetera. But, but anyway, Will, dude, I really, really appreciate you. This has been, this has been super helpful and I'm definitely going to bug you again about that next podcast. We'll yeah, have to get sure. that on the books. I know you're busy. So to take this much time with, with the listeners, man, we just, we just really, really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to have to bug you also about being my uh, unofficial mentor. So I'll, I'll, I'll ping you about that, but uh, cause you're where I want to be, right? You are where I want to go. So I just, uh, you inspire me, you motivate me, and I really appreciate the time that you've taken with me today. Thanks, man. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great to, to be here uh, today. And um, I look forward to some more chats. Awesome. And to the listeners, thanks again. And we'll see you on the next one.